welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Howdy, everybody. Welcome to this meeting of Sexaholics Anonymous. My name is Farley from Edmonton, Alberta. And I'll, I'll be your facilitator for this session. And I'm joined by my friend here. Uh, my name is Amjad, and I'm from San Antonio. Uh, the, name of the name of this meeting is Staying Sober in the Modern World Today. Please take a moment to silence all electronic devices. If you need to use yours during the meeting, please take it outside. We ask that you not make any personal recordings of this or any meeting. Please join me in a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Um, In the spirit of carrying the essay message, this meeting is being recorded. If you are not sure your share will be appropriate or on topic, please participate by listening. The recording equipment will not be turned off for any reason. If you wish to share, please speak directly into the microphone so the listener can follow you. If you wish not to be recorded, we invite you to participate by listening or attending another session. Please do not touch any of the recording equipment. Um, all right. We're going to start off here, and I'm claiming seniority, so Amjad will start off with his lead on this subject. (laughs) And you've got five minutes, buddy. Okay. Well, it says ten minutes each. Did you see that? Uh, (laughs) Hi, I'm Amjad. I'm a gratefully recovering sexaholic. Uh, I have a fatal brain disorder that tells me that I need to be special. I'm glad to be here and sharing on this topic. So for me, I guess uh, kind of just real quick, I'm going to go through, and I'll, sorry, I'm starting my timer so that we keep straight. Um, so just kind of keeping uh, keeping in tradition of our fellowship, I'm hoping to tell you what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now for me uh, on this topic, uh, the modern world. So for me, my uh, my drug of choice is celebrities. So I have a real, real big issue with celebrities. I've spent, you know, majority of my life I uh, just lusting after celebrities and lots of issues around that topic. It wasn't limited to that, but that was kind of the core crux of my uh, my disease. Uh, in December 29th of 2005, I found the program. I just got sick and tired of uh, looking at porn and masturbating and, and decided I would reach out for help finally. Um, over the course of the next about... Well, it was about 10 months that I had some sobriety, but I didn't, I, I thought I could do it on my own, didn't have a sponsor, and I went to a meetings for a couple of months and then decided I didn't really need meetings because I had this figured out. Uh, I could tell you anything you needed to know on the topic, and, uh, quickly lost my sobriety and, and really struggled, drug myself back to the meetings and found a sponsor. Uh, for the next almost six years, I, uh, was sober. But uh, my whole sobriety was based on restrictions. So I had uh, blocks on my phone, blocks on my computer. Uh, only my wife had passwords. I mean, everything was restricted. Uh, during that time, I really struggled with uh, any time I got my hands on something that wasn't restricted. So, for example, my wife bought me for my birthday a new iPod Touch. Uh, and I figured out I could surf the Internet on that thing, and it wasn't blocked. And that was a real... Uh, challenging period, almost lost my sobriety there. Uh, we bought a new uh, Mac computer and I couldn't figure out how to get Covenant Eyes on it and uh, that was another challenging period for me. Um, and then toward the end of that six-year period, uh, and I used to walk around talking about, i got a couple more months and I'll have six years of sobriety, 
I uh, clicked on a link for an article and I thought it was going to be censored and that my phone would block the images, but it turned out to be an uncensored uh, image uh, and I just came crashing down. Uh, went on a serious binge uh, that nearly killed me. Uh, it took me another year and a half to finally get anything like 30 days of sobriety. Um, and somewhere around that point, my sponsor said to me, he said, you know, you've You've done all these things that have basically, it's like sophisticated forms of white knuckling. Uh, you have all these things blocking your phone and your computer, and it's, it's almost as if you've done all of that so that you don't have to surrender. And, and I said, oh, but I am surrendering. He says, go back to the white book, read, read the section in page 66 and 67 where it talks about surrender, and, and let's, let's try this again. And uh, so I have been sober since February... Uh, 16th of 2015, and it was around that time frame that I finally got sober. It was also around that time frame that I asked my wife to unlock my phone. I no longer have anything on my computer that blocks my computer from anything. I walk around, I've got full access to the internet, to anything you could possibly imagine on my phone, and uh, by the grace of God, it does not bother me. Uh, and the big difference for me is that surrender. And so I just really quickly, in the time that I have, I wanted to read to you a couple of paragraphs that really stand out for me on this topic. One is on page 66 of the White Book, and then at the very end of page 70, and I'll just kind of go from one straight to the other, and it talks about the first test, surrender. Joining a group doesn't automatically make the problem vanish. Most of us had tried stopping countless times. The problem was we couldn't stay stopped. We had never surrendered. So the first time the craving hits again, when we get that urge for a fix, we give it up, even though it feels like we'll die without it. And at times, in our new frame of mind, the craving may seem stronger than ever, but we don't fight it like we used to. That was always a losing battle, giving it more strength to fight back. Neither do we feed it or give into it. We surrender. We win by giving up each time. And then on the page, end of page 70, surrender is a constant thing. Practice, day by day, hour by hour, putting into practice so often Put into practice so often, it becomes habitual. That's how we get the attitude change that lets the grace of God enter to expel the obsession. So for me, that's, like I said, that really sums it all up. Um, today, I can walk around, like I said, with full access to anything I would want to get onto or look at. But by the grace of God, I, in this habit of surrender, and I, you know, sometimes the, the word I'll use is I say, don't follow the tug. If I feel a pull, if it's toward the candy bowl, I'll say, God, I surrender the candy to you. I mean, I'm not going to reach over and grab the candy just as an opportunity to practice that surrender. Uh, and so uh, for me, you know, now, you know, I've slowly given up things like Facebook. And what was amazing about that was, you know, social media of any kind is it wasn't a struggle. I just gave it to God and said, God, I really don't need this. I don't want this in my life. I don't need it. And it didn't, wasn't painful. It wasn't miserable. It was just something I gave away. Uh, one of the, the best, I mean, one of my methods for acting out is I would take the phone into the bathroom and tell the family that I had a stomach ache and I would hide in the bathroom and look at porn on my phone. Uh, now when I go to the bathroom, I just, right before I go, I, I take my phone and say, God, uh, if you can hold on to my phone to, for me, I'm going to run to the restroom. And I set it out right outside the door of the bathroom and I head in. Uh, that's an example of surrender for me. And so I'll just kind of end with this one little last story, which is uh, last night I was at the grocery store and something happened that I didn't see it coming and it was just amazing. I passed by a magazine rack that I didn't know was there and my habitual way is to look to see what celebrities are on the covers of the magazines. And yesterday... As I'm passing the rack and I caught it out of the corner of my eye, I had no desire to look at that rack. No desire whatsoever. I said, God, I surrender that rack to you. I don't need to look at those magazines. And I just kept walking. And it was the most wonderful feeling. So that's, to me, that's sobriety in the modern world. It really doesn't matter to me if it's a magazine or an index card or some sophisticated app or social media. It's all the same. It's all down to surrender for me. Uh, thanks. I'm Amjad. I'm a sexaholic. And I'm just really grateful to be here. Thanks. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, Farley, grateful recovering sexaholic. I've been sober since June 18th of 98, a day for which I can never be sufficiently grateful. 
My disease is rooted in fantasy and lust, and fantasy remains my gateway drug. My acting out includes promiscuity, adultery, dependency, relationships, and sex from position of power and trust. I have an inability to release images, a desire to be lusted after. Um, I'm addicted to sex, fear, and chaos. Um, I practice voyeurism, exhibitionism, judging, objectifying, and sexualizing all of you. There's my qualifier. Um, I talking to my sponsor, he told me that anytime you want to tell your story, you usually end up with three stories. <laughs> the one you wanted to tell, the one you told, <laughs> and the one you prepared to tell. <laughs> so I... On on the flight down here, I'm I'm from uh, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and I started to write uh, little notes to myself, and I corrected the hell out of it. So I thought I would read you that first, and then that would be the kind of lift off as to uh, what I can possibly say about this subject. So I, I hope you bear with me as I do this. Uh, what I wrote is the modern world is. And what it does is out of my control. I interact with it but not fully participate in it anymore. It is based on instant gratification. It presupposes we all want instant gratification. Learning to live a life in recovery away from instant gratification is the road I have to walk in my life today. I practice delayed gratification in all ways. The connection to making me feel good is the basis of all sales promotions. It pushes all my buttons when I'm not living in the solution. I want what I want when I want it. Learning to live a sober essay program for me has caused me to forego, forego all forms of self-serving activity. I always have to look for activities or actions that benefit someone else. My wife, my family, my employer, my employees, my community, my fellowship, my higher power. This has been my practice to change my unconscious patterns. I still can be captured by images. I still have my equilibrium. I can still have my equilibrium destroyed by negative emotional outbursts, mine or others. Fantasy of any of any kind remains my my gateway drug, and everybody out there is trying to get me to buy into some fantasy. But today I have experienced freedom and relief from exterior world controlling my life. Balance in my life has come from constant and chronic working of the 12 steps in all aspects of my life. The principles of this program have given me a conduit to my higher power. My greater reality is superior to all fantastic fantasies that are constantly berating my sensibilities. The only alternative to me being seduced by the world is my higher, is my highly personal connection to my higher power. So that's what saves me today. I don't know any other way except, as Amjad pointed out here, is having an, what I call an extraction plan. Is if I'm in a situation where something is drawing me in, is I have to have an extraction plan. And usually that means I have a signal to my wife, this party is not going my way, these people are triggering me. And it usually comes down to, oh, you know, we had to go and do something for the kids, or we had to go and do something for the grandkids, or we had something to do. I don't call it a little white lie, I call it my extraction plan. I have to get out of there now because this is affecting me negatively. And that's kind of how I deal with external influences that are negative to my sobriety today, is I have to take those kind of actions. Um, yeah, and I, I want to keep it short for myself because my sponsor also told me that anybody who shares in under five minutes is sharing the solution. Anybody who shares over five minutes is sharing the disease. So I'll shut up now. Um, so here are the guidelines for sharing at this meeting. We ask that members with five years or more sobriety share first, 
Anybody with more than five years, please put up your hand so we know. Oh, pretty limited. Thank you. Um, and then uh, people who have one to four years, and if time allows, we invite people to share who uh, have less than that. So with that, if you have anything to share on living in a modern world, we're going to put the microphone over here. We ask you to speak into the microphone so that it picks up. According to Lee, you have to be fairly close for that. Um, in participation, we avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid explicit sexual descriptions or sexually abusive language. The emphasis remains on honesty, recovery, and healing, how to apply the 12 steps and traditions in our daily lives. No crosstalk, please. If someone feels another is getting inappropriately explicit or is focusing excessively on the problem rather than the solution, we'll slap you. Although this is an anonymous meeting, please remember that the anonymity does not mean legal confidentiality. Please do not share any felony for which you may not have been adjudicated, else we will be required to inform law officials to protect the injured. Please be mindful of what you share and do not break your own or other members' anonymity. And uh, Amjed's got a pretty good... Uh, phone here. He'll uh, restrict your time. And I'd say like to give at least uh, two minutes or two and a half minutes for people with five years sobriety or, or more. And then we'll cut it down depending on your length of sobriety. So we'll be a little subjective about it, but please feel free to come up and share. And it looks like we've got a people ready to go here. Thank you, guys. Thanks for sharing your stories. I'm Gene. I'm a sexaholic. I'm sexually sober since December 30 of 08. So I just I had my ninth birthday, and it was fun. I enjoy sobriety today, but staying sober is not easy. It's gotten easier with time, but it still have to work at it. I tell some of the guys that I may be a little further down the road than you are, but I'm just as close to the ditch. It's right there. And uh, I, I have gone through what I call uh, quite a few waves of pro times that are difficult in sobriety. Uh, I found that I can get through them. They seem to come at kind of periodic intervals. Some around my birthday times, uh, you seem pretty standard. For, at first, it was kind of around chip times, you know, those those times. But um, I've learned to know myself a lot better with the help of my sponsors and guys in the in the groups to help me. Uh, I ask for help when I'm coming up on tough times. I know they're coming. I feel them. I sense them. I know what the signs of lust hitting me or, or coming at me, I ask for help. I ask for them to pray with me. I ask for them to call me more. I'm going to call you, that kind of stuff. We're going to stay in touch. I know I can get through those times, and and I'll be a lot happier when I do. Anyway, I love being sober. I love this chance to share, and uh, thanks for asking. And I wanted Mitch to come up. But Mitch, is, Mitch and I have been working together about three and a half years now. I've gotten to love him and know him a lot better. And I know he has a lot more sobriety than I do, so I want him to talk. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Mitch. I'm a sexologist. Hey, Mitch. I'm grateful to be here. Sobriety date is December 20th, 1985. I am powerless over lust. Uh, I lost a lot less than I used to. I still lost, though. So I'm still tempted to lust, and I still lost. So I don't, I don't have perfect sobriety. Um, but I am grateful for, uh, the opportunity to have, to have a life, which, uh, which I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had a chance at, you know, if I, if I, uh, fell prey to my lust and its fullest consequences. Um, and, uh, you know, peace and joy and happiness have increased, you know, pain and suffering still continue. There's still challenges. Uh, always challenges. Interesting topic. I, I really appreciated both, both of the leads 
very, very creative uh, and in hearing your personal perspectives and um, you know, really good stuff. You know, I think for me, I don't know if my temptations to lust have changed. You know, I, I, I'm I'm 58 years old. I've been in SA now for for 32 years. You know, so the the world has modernized, if you will, in that in that bit of history. You know, things have, things have changed. Um, you know, of course, technology. But I don't know if my temptations to lust or, or you know, my the number of temptations I have to lust have changed. You know, I, 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 I you know, I lusted probably just as much before the internet, you know, <laughs> as after. That said, uh, I was. Uh, it did occur to me when I was sitting up here uh, next to Gene that there is there is some new medical technology which you know some of you who are young it you it might have been around all your life and you don't think of it anyway because you're young but uh for me it's a relatively new development it's called Cialis and uh so that that's a that's a modern development and uh for me and uh you know and it's been in 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 the last uh you know few uh few years you know i've i've declined i i, I never thought i would ever decline you know, I, <laughs> you know i didn't think it was possible you know but you know it's uh you know you heard about the commercial i'm going what are those commercials you know i joke about them you know but and all of a sudden here i am living it at, at, uh, at uh you know 58 and you know i'm sexually active with my wife uh and uh so, you know, I've partaken of Cialis and that new technology has provi- has has really been uh triggering for me. You know, you, you you take you take the medicine and you go, "Oh boy, you know, it's it's this baby's going to work good, you know. Uh it's going to work it's going to work better, you know, and it's uh and uh, you know, and uh uh you know, I Sex is not bad. Sex in the marriage is not bad, and you know, I, I have no problem taking Cialis in order to 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 be sexually active. My wife and I are in, are on the same page. Uh, however, it is a trigger, and so uh, and I've learned I've learned that the hard way uh, over the last couple of years with with some you know significant boundary crosses. Uh, uh, and so it's uh uh you know I got a plan with my sponsor that I'm, I'm bookending now every time you know I take I take a Cialis you know and and for me it's pretty potent stuff you know it's uh you know I need I need maybe about three phone calls worth of bookend in in a 24 hour period you know <laughs> because uh you know the temptations to want to test it are stronger during that time um and uh uh, I don't know what else am I doing on that. On that, uh, uh, yeah, just trying to be as transparent as possible with all of it. You know, rigorous honesty all the time. Of course, it's uh, this is all based on that first step. You know, we, uh, have have to have to bottom out, and there has to be that level of desperation and really wanting to change. You know, and uh, and that's you know, and I and I heard that, and I heard that in both of the shares. You know. We're not going to be willing to do this crazy stuff, have these crazy boundaries, unless we really want to change, you know. Uh, and then they're not crazy anymore. Then they're sane. They're, they're the sanest things that we. They're the sanest thing to do, you know. Um, so anyway, thanks for listening. That'll pass. Thanks, Carlos Sexaholic, San Antonio, 21 months. Um, what I what I really liked what Amjad had to say is that um, is for me I I haven't had to, to put all the little blocks and all that stuff on any of my devices, and yet I still know that in these fingertips I know all the URLs. They're right here because of too many years of pain and suffering in my will. Um, 
And it's been a blessing for me because I, I at this moment in time, um, I have great respect for my particular lust. I know it's more powerful than me. And then I know that, for me, there's a reprieve. And I know, like I think um, that you said, that the ditch is right here. It's right there. It's about four inches away. And, it, and on the other edge, it seems to be bottomless. Um, so I have great respect for my lust. Um, and yet, I, um, I go on the Internet, and I have to go on the Internet for business and for other things. And uh, in today's, today's images and, 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 and themes of advertising or just to attract your eye are so sophisticated. From the obvious... You know, kind of like a burlesque uh, layout of some advertisement, and it's not even porn, to the real subtle things about what, what I can do if I would just press this hyperlink. Um, and, it fee- and it feeds, and it's like, I'm powerless over that too. It's way too subtle, and I know where this goes. And if I, if I, if I clicked on here or even looked on this end, I'll want now an image that is unclothed. Or, and I just, and, and, and my first step, my first te- step tells me this. And so I'm very, I've worked the steps, I work them every day, and step one is there every day too. And it's, I am not like other guys. And I'm very sensitive when those images come wanting, uh, just out of normal life going to a grocery store. When they come, the first thing I have to say to myself is I'm not like some other guy and I'm really waiting for the anger to happen. That I'm not. Because I'm real sensitive to that because I want to retaliate. And I know where my retaliation is. So instead, I, I do this step one, I surrender. It's more powerful than me. There is a power greater than myself and then the willingness in step three. And so long as I have humility to do that, I have a good shot today of being being at peace and handle my problems. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jason. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Jason. Uh, I don't really have... Don't have too much to share uh, on this one. I, I really just wanted to ask a question for the chairs and maybe anybody else who feels like weighing in. Um, I've been a, a chronic relapser and have struggled a lot, um, kind of working seriously the program since uh, September of 2015, and I've, I've never been able to make it to 30 days. And um, you know, so I've I've kind of heard the philosophy. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it makes a lot of sense that. Um, it's important to to surrender and to focus on surrender and not necessarily get caught up in the the whole tangle of what filtering and all these kinds of things I can do to kind of you know white knuckle or control my disease. But it seems that you know perhaps there's also um, a, necess- a necessity for me at least um, to have some things like that in place at least in early sobriety. Um, to try and get some traction, it just seems I'm, I'm too powerless, you know, if I have a phone of any sort with the internet to to not use it irresponsibly. So, yeah, I guess my question is, if in people's opinions, is is there a place for you know maybe something like that temporarily if it's not in to replace surrender? Uh, thanks. Thanks, Jason. Sure. Um, I think if you're chronically relapsing, um, my experience has been is that you haven't felt enough pain yet. And uh, my personal experience is, is that when I was acting out and I wanted to stop, I could not. And it progressed at a very rapid rate. 
I've uh, run into a number of people and tried to sponsor a number of people like you who um, I, I, I don't know what to say entirely about it except that uh, what my sponsor kind of said, well, why don't you go out there and practice a little longer and come back when you're ready. And I thought that was really harsh. And, uh, but that was what I needed is that I had to realize how much this was destroying my life and, uh, how it was stopping me from becoming who I was really on the inside. And, and that took a long time of sobriety. It doesn't happen in 30 days. It didn't happen in three years. Well, around three years, it really started to happen. Where, where did the change was something that I, I started to crave. It wasn't something that I fought. And so I really had to find a way to surrender and I couldn't do it on my own. You know, anytime I think I can do this on my own, I'm in trouble. You know, I have to reach out to people in the program. I have to reach out to a power that's greater than me. And I had to find a new higher power. And and I find that that's essential for most people coming to this program to rely on 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 somebody else's higher power doesn't work for me. I had to I had to find a higher power that worked. And today, my higher power I refer to is a greater reality. That's what works for me because as I'm exposed to more and more of this new reality, I crave it. I crave it more than I do lust today. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think the only thing I can say on it is is you got to want it. And you've got to be willing to go through the shit you have to go through to get there, no matter where and how it comes at you. You have to be willing to do whatever you have to do to stay sober, because the alternative for me was pretty sick. So, uh, yeah, that's about all I can say on it. Thanks, Hardy. Uh, I'm just sexaholic. Uh, if I can just add one thing on that. Uh, my experience, and I can talk about my story, which is that, um, you know, again, I go back to the surrender piece. I was going to just read the next paragraph after the first one that I read because I, I found the answer in this paragraph. Because when I got to the point that I took the stuff off my phone, I thought exactly that. There is no way that I'm even going to get two days of sobriety with complete access to my drug. And uh, what it came down for me was, in, and it, it, I, was, I remember I was sitting in a meeting and I started crying because I read this one paragraph and I thought, oh my God, it's been there this whole time, the answer to exactly what, it, what I've been asking. And that is, uh, on page 66 on the bottom, it says, you know, coming off our habit can be confusing. My head turns automatically. I can't help feeding it. I don't have any choice. But we always fed our habit. We simply weren't aware of it. So whenever this happens, we simply acknowledge our powerlessness. Instead of either fighting or indulging, we surrender. And I used to stop there. I was like, okay, we surrender. What the heck does that mean? And then in the next sentence, it tells me what that first glimpse at surrender looks like. It says, we pick up the phone, we ask for help, we go to a meeting. We even admit we may not fully want victory over lust. And then later it says, we talk about the temptation in a phone call or at the next meeting and tell all, telling the deep truth in an attitude of surrender helps break the power the memory of the incident holds over us. And what I have found when I was a chronic slipper is that I would follow that tug, I would follow that all the way through, and then I would call somebody and say, you're not going to believe what I just did. But what I have found is the people who are sober make the phone call the minute they feel the tug. It's like, oh my God, you're not going to believe what I just, I just had the craziest thought entered my brain. The moment it enters, I'm up on the phone making as many phone calls as I can, uh, and then reaching out, and well, I usually, now it's like kind of a combination of that and God because I need me, God, and a fellow to the committee to think straight. So thanks. I'm just like Solomon. Are you going to add to that? I, I was just going to add something here. Is that uh, this is kind of funny, but when I was 
in the program. I had pretty clunky uh, cell phone when I started out. And, uh, you know, I would be like three hours, you know, after, after, after work, you know, I, I would be like three hours talking to people, just like surrendering and where my head was and all the craziness that was going on. And so then they had hands free, right? And so here I am driving down the road, you know, and people beside me and I'm just talking away and, and I noticed that people are looking at me like, you know, who's he talking to? So I actually had to pick up my phone and pretend I was talking to the phone, you know, so people wouldn't think I was talking to myself. You know, here we are in traffic and I, I, but I, the literally, my cell phone bill was just outrageous, but it saved my life. It was the best tool I had to stay in touch with people, other sexaholics. It's just like, stay connected. Anyways, thanks. Thanks, Riley. Uh, sorry, can I have one more thing? I'm just sexaholic. My sponsor once told me, uh, he said, if there was a magic button that you could press, that would make your lust go away, would you press it? And I said, absolutely, where can I get one? He said, it's that green button on your phone that sends the, the call. <laughs> That's a good one. My name's Jerry. I'm a sex and lust addict in recovery. Hey, Jerry. And I say recovery because I want to be there. And I want to have sobriety. But that's not my normal. Um, you say you struggle getting 30 days. I had 22 months clean time to the day when I lost it. I have over two years now. It's 12, 15, or 15 is my sobriety now. So, um, opportunities always show up that want to take my sobriety away. All the time. I have tools. I have a tool belt. I have 29 years clean time from drugs and alcohol. Those show up. After about five or six years, they're not as bad. Twenty-five years, it showed up intense. This one's the same way. But I have people, places, things, books, media, functions. And I have meditation every morning. I read every morning. I read that book. I put that into my head. I want to put good things into my head. Um, if I focus on those six things when I get up in the morning, and then I look at it at the end of the day, People, places, things, books, media, functions. How did my day go? And if, the, if there's any areas that are out of whack, then uh, that's not really a good day. It doesn't mean I lost my sobriety. It doesn't mean I relapsed. But I'm putting myself in a place that I'm real close to the ditch now. I don't want to go in the ditch. I know what the ditch feels like. Um, I don't want to go there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Spirituality, a lot of people, I mean, I have a God, but I'm in these acronyms. God is good, orderly direction. If my life is going in a good, orderly direction, that's probably going to be a good day. If it's my ego, it's edging God out. And that's the little voice in my head. You know, I see the girl on the sidewalk. You see him all the time. It depends on what time of the year it is. Because you can locate him anywhere you want. I mean, supermarkets. Lust hits are all around us. I don't care where I'm at. Okay, I can look at a blank wall and turn it sexual if I want. Okay, I've done that with my psychiatrist before, and he goes, "How do you do that?" And I said, "Watch." <laughs> I looked at a wall in his office, and I started describing things, and he goes, "Wow!" I mean, this is a psychiatrist that says, "Wow." He goes, "That's pretty amazing." And I said, "No, it's not a good thing." But I'm I'm a sex and lust addict. I mean, I, I can I can find it wherever I want. Your why has to be big enough. Okay, I've been married 24 years. My wife asked me about three and a half years ago for a divorce. Her and her therapist and invited me to the meeting, and I said no. Just flat out, no, I'm not going to do that. We can go get help, go do whatever you want to do, but. No, I'm not getting divorced. <laughs> That's not what I want to do. It's not okay with me. Now, I've changed my thought patterns, my behaviors. Uh, some of her, I mean, I had to shut down my business. She had some non-negotiables. Certain people I can't hang out with. My business I couldn't do. I had to go get a job. Uh, I make a whole lot less money. I spend a whole lot more time with my kids. The other thing is... uh 
as an addict, I can go anywhere I want in the world, no matter where I'm at. But I'm not present when I do that. If I'm with somebody, whether it's you, my kids, my wife, I have to keep my head where my feet are in order to be present. And I have to remind myself of that. If I'm talking to you, I need to be present where my feet are and keep my head there too. But your why has to be big enough. If your why is not big enough, like he said, go back out. I mean, that, and it does sound harsh, but do that. When you really want to go, go rip. You'll reach a point that you'll say, that sucks. Life sucks. I've had enough. And you've lost enough that your why becomes big enough and it becomes personal. If it's not personal, I'm I'm an addict. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. That's what I do. But I make a choice to do it the right way, and that's my why. My why is big enough. Thanks. Thanks, Jerry. Uh, G'day, everyone. My name's Mark. Um, Sobriety dates 21st of May 2014. It's uh, good to be here. And... uh, just really enjoyed this session. Um, we've, uh, yeah, we live in a modern world, and I don't think the internet, internet's going away. And um, since I've got in uh, to twelve-step programs, I've uh, realised that you know, it's important for for me to to set some boundaries. Some of the things that really resonated with me in the shares, um, the lead shares, were this concept of surrender. Um, I'm a sports guy, um, so. I, Play lots of sports. If I was an American, you'd probably call me a jock in high school. That's all I did. I didn't do a lot of studying. I played sports, and that's where I got my self-esteem from and everything else. And I was I was good at it. And um, but I, I was used to winning. We liked to win. And uh, if we didn't win, we just train harder and we'd win. And uh, so we got this mentality that we had to win all the time. And and I thought if I surrendered, I was going to be a loser. And I thought, oh, you know, I can surrender sooner or later and give this up. And I always told myself I was going to fix it, but I couldn't. And um, so in the end, I had, to, I had to surrender. And in my surrender, I found a victory, a peace, and an understanding that I didn't have in my life. And, um, you know, I struggled with these things since I was a teenager. Um, so, and then this other concept, uh, I, um, this delayed gratification uh, Walter Michelle, psychologist that uh, did the marshmallow experiment, and, uh, and uh, watching these little kids. And uh, if you've never watched it on YouTube, look it up. You see these little kids struggle. The, the experiment is that they, they can't eat this marshmallow until the until the adult comes back. And if they don't eat it, then they get two. But if they do eat it, they just get to eat that one. They don't get the second one. And so I had always believed that you know um, I didn't want to. I grew up with Christian values and I knew that what I was doing was going to cause me a problem one day when I met my maker and um, I just couldn't practice this principle of delayed gratification and I saw that little those little kids struggling over those marshmallows and it really hit me and uh, so that, that helped me. The other thing is, is I've got a son just on the phone question and um, just to finish off, my, my, my son, um, he's a sex addict, he's 20 now. And um, he goes to um, a fellowship, and and uh, he's got a sponsor and whatnot. And you got to, God's never going to take away our choice. That's the thing He gave us. He gave us our agency. So He's never going to take those choices away. We have to make those choices. But He'll help us with everything else. He just can't take away that choice. So we have to choose it. And my son's been telling me for six months he's going to give up his phone. He's sick of it. But to this day, he still hasn't. So I pray that he will one day, and I believe that will get him started. Thanks. Hi, my name is Michael. Uh, I'm a sex addict, and um, I have a sobriety uh, since April 1st of 2015. And uh, this is my first um, time here with uh, with an SA group. I attend a different type of group. But... Um, my wife comes to the SNI groups, and so I'm from here in San Antonio, and and I'm super glad I came, uh, really glad. And um, yeah, one of one of the tools that uh, that I found that really helped me out um, 
it's similar to what's been said before, but it's uh, with a cell phone. My my uh, my little secret place was always uh, the bathroom as well. And I mean, nobody's going to bump in you, knock on that door, or stall or whatever. Work at home, uh, at church even sometimes, and whatever. And I knew that I had to I had to figure out how to how to not look at uh, you know just bad pictures and videos and. And uh, I knew that I was going to be in an airport someday and uh, not be able to leave my phone on the counter there uh, while I go take care of business, but uh, in the bathroom or at a restaurant or, or something. And so, because um, I've had experiences where you know, I felt like I was doing good and <clears throat> I've got my, my, my plans and my escape plans and my, my supports up and everything. And then something happens that I hadn't experienced since like six years ago, when the only way that I would know how to cope with something like that was go act out and go uh, uh, numb the pain. And uh, and now I'm faced in this situation where, okay, I've had 18 months of sobriety here and something, quote, new has happened. It's new for me because it's new since I've been sober. Uh, how do I handle it? And my, you know, my brain's like, oh, well, this is how you handle it. Numb it. And so I had to I had to find ways to retrain my brain. And uh, kind of like get a little demo squad out there and blow up these paths that I had created that I'd forgotten were there, and uh, and do it proactively. And that the bathroom example was one. So I, I purposefully took my phone in there in the stall with me, and uh, and I opened it up, and I tried to read something inspiring, force myself to do it. You know, um, go in there and do it. And you know, every time I'm like, oh, am I gonna am I gonna open up? You know my place that I would always go to. You know, I'm going to start out and uh, social media and then just not really search anything, but try to find somebody who had friends, who had friends, who had friends. And um, and I'm telling you, so but surely, I mean, I was surprised when I when I sat down and I pulled out my phone and I didn't feel that tug. I wasn't wondering if I was going to click on something that was going to lead me to a dark place. It was truly amazing. Truly amazing. But it took... Every day for I think over a month or so of just practicing that, and uh, and now my phone's in my pocket when I go to the bathroom, and it's it's been that way for about a year, year and a half, and and it's been good. It's just a small little example of of things I've tried to do to to really focus and practice, because technology is only going to make the screen smaller and smaller. And I imagine some at some point we're going to have a contact lens for a screen. No one's ever going to walk in on us, and uh, we're totally going to be able to view whatever we want to do and no one's ever going to see that and then we'll have complete access to that. And uh, it, we're going to be the filter. And uh, um, anyway, and so I'm a little scared about that day, but I'm hoping that I can practice enough to be able to be strong enough then too. Uh, my name's Michael. Thank you. I didn't see the chairs filling up, so I decided to double dip. Double dip? Apologies. Um, hey, Mitch. Mitch, that's all. Yeah, um, yeah I, I wanted to reply to, to the young man that's struggling to get sober, um, and, and uh, I appreciated all the feedback since. Yeah, when Farley shared the, you know, the, the very hard feedback from the from the AA Big Book, you know, in terms of uh, going back out there, that, that that is that is truth. That that really is harsh truth. Um, what I've come to, but you know. What I wanted to say to make sure that that you understand and anybody who comes to these rooms understand is we are on your side no matter what. Um, this is uh, what I've come to conclude, you know, why, why, do some, why do some people get sober when they get sober based on what they did and, and why do other people have a hard time getting sober or not getting sober, you know, based on what they did. And I, I, I chalked it up to mystery. It's very mysterious. Um, that, um, that, you know, that, that bot, we have to hit bottom, but that bottom is different for everybody. You know, there has to be a turning point, you know, where we, we, we come to a place of change. Now, I've worked with, I've sponsored people, you know, that hardly need any sponsorship. 
they they get sober, you know. And you know, I ask them to do, I ask them to do things, and they they do almost all of it, and and, and they stay sober, you know. Uh, you know, but then there's an there's another type of person where I ask them to do, and they'll do something, they'll do almost all of it, and they just can't get sober, you know. And my my method of sponsorship is. If someone keeps slipping, I keep upping the ante. Okay, you're going to three meetings a week. Let's get to six meetings a week now. You know, and I just, I just keep piling on more and more. You know, and I've worked with folks that, uh, you know, their willingness is there. <laughs> just they still they still they're willing to they're, they're willing to do more and more. But, you know, by the way, a simple way of uh, if you want to increase your chances of getting sober, staying sober, growing in sobriety, it, it, it's very mat mathematical it's not totally based on this but the more time you put into it the, the more the, the better the better chance that you're going to have the more energy the more energy and time and devotion you put to this uh and that's 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 for anyone that's trying to get sober or stay sober and grow in sobriety now some of us don't need to put in as much time as others some need to put in a lot more time you know it's it, it, it's mysterious it really is um you know, there's no there's no judgment here. You know, uh, but at the same time, it is a harsh truth. Going going back out there and not coming to meetings for a while, that's that's something to consider. But don't at all take that as as a way of saying that we're not on your side. You know, if you if you don't want to do that, you know, and you want to keep coming as much as you want to come, you know, keep coming. You know, we're 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 here for you. You know, and you know you, you might you're going to hear some challenging stuff. From time to time, you know, as we all do, that maybe we don't like to hear, you know, but it's, uh, you know, but, but I tell you, it, it, it's, we're on your side and, and we're just waiting for the miracle to happen, you know, and we're, and we're with you. Okay? Thank you, Mitch. Hi, my name is Ibrahim, recovering sexaholic, and I'm visiting from Montreal, Canada. Very grateful to be here. I just kind of wanted to echo what was previously said with regards to like the chronic slipping. I've been in SA for three years. Uh, the past year, I've been doing a minimum seven meetings a week. I'm working on my steps. You know, it's really this past year that I started having the willingness, and that's what it really was for me. I had to suffer a lot. Um, and as a member, I, as I heard a member share at a meeting a couple of days ago, um, I grow at at uh, the rate of pain. You know, the more pain that I have in my life, it's, it seems to be the only way that that I really learn and and I I, I begin to change my ways. You know, is is how much pain there is. Um, and just to relate it to staying sober in modern times, um, the past three years I've been having a flip phone. You know, and and uh, whenever I pull it up, people are you know like, what the hell is that? You know, and. Uh, <laughs> A lot of times I use it in the bus, I get weird looks, you know, I, I'm pretty sure people are thinking this guy must be a drug dealer. I shared at a meeting, you know, I hope they think I'm a drug dealer and not a sexaholic, you know, <laughs> at least there is, there's less stigma with that, you know, but, but what I wanted to say was that um, I made a lot of sacrifices when I came in, you know, like I had a brand new laptop when I started college, I had to get rid of it. You know, and even the places where I would stash it, I would wake up at night, go get it, and whatever. So sacrifice after sacrifice, no social media accounts. And uh, recently, it also meant like what I was doing, the system I was having at home with my family member that family members that are all aware of my addiction was that if I need to use a computer, you know, they would open it up for me, they would sit with me. But a lot of times, like they they, they sit with me and stuff, and then oh, they go to grab something in the kitchen, and then my heart starts pounding, you know. So I'm, I'm very sensitive to that. The moment I, I can't have any smartphone device and that's why I didn't decide to keep one with filters because I always try to find ways around it and it just simply didn't work. And up until recently with another slip, um, I realized, you know, I was making those sacrifices with a lot of bitterness and it wasn't with like, like, I didn't have the mentality that I have to be willing to go to, just like it was mentioned before, you know, crazy boundaries are actually same boundaries if they're working for you. And I got a lot from that because in reality, I seem to have a lot of crazy boundaries. Like um, I came to Austin a couple of days before uh, coming here and I was just all over the city using a map, actually talking to people to get around, you know. Um, but thank God, you know, my attitude changed a bit in that it wasn't with a lot of bitterness that I was doing this, but this is the price that I need to pay for my sobriety. So just wanted to share that. Thank you.
I'm Brent, and I'm a sexaholic. Um, I, uh, I know we're kind of tapping up against the end of the meeting here, but uh, a couple of things just popped into my head. One, um, I know that uh, when Doctor, when Bill W. lived with Dr. Bob um, in the very first few days that Dr. Bob was getting sober and he's uh, staying in their house, um, they put two bottles of liquor on the counter in the kitchen, and uh, and it stayed there for weeks um, because Bill W. felt like if there wasn't a temptation in the room, then their surrender didn't mean jack. And take that for what it's worth. Um, I just think that's interesting. It's in uh, as uh, it's in Doctor Bob and the Good Old Timers. Um, but uh, for me, in in the midst of chronic slipping, um, I got to this weird, desperate place. I don't know what told me to do this, but um, I started uh, thinking in my head that I have an addiction to relapsing, and um, and I asked myself, what is it that I get out of relapse? that makes me keep going back to that. Now, that sounds like a stupid question because I was getting to act out, and I liked that. So, uh, But there was, I was looking for something deeper than that. Um, what I found when I asked myself that question was that I liked being the guy. I liked being the guy that came to meetings and did everything that he could and messed up. I liked pity, I liked sympathy, and I liked feeding off of people's tolerance. I, uh, I, I fit that role, I had lived that role, and I didn't want to get out of that role. Um, for some reason, asking myself that question and, and coming to realize that, uh, I was able to identify some character defects in myself um, to ask a deeper question. Maybe this is some of the stuff of rigorous honesty. Uh, is that really what I want? Do I want to keep coming to SA so that you guys keep looking at me and say, oh, Brent, man, that guy sure works hard at this thing. I don't know why he's not getting it. Maybe he should go back out there and I don't know, I don't know. I like being that guy. Um, but I had to recognize uh, that that's not the life I want. It's not the life that I want. Uh, and try to do something a little bit different. And, uh, and that has helped me kind of break that pattern of relapse. So thanks. <laughs> well, guys, they told us uh, we're going to have to uh, get the room cleared for dinner here. So I think that brings us uh, close to the end. Can, can I have one real quick thing? 30 seconds or less. Uh, I'm just a sexaholic, uh, 15 second, just something my sponsor says all the time, which I believe he got from his sponsor, uh, is that, uh, you know, this program is not meant to be a straight jacket, but more of a loose coat. Uh, and that for me is a lot of what the surrender, I know I described some of the things that I do or don't do, but today they feel a lot like a loose coat that keeps me warm rather than some miserable, like, oh, that's another thing I can't do. So just wanted to, to mention that real quick. Thank you. In closing, anything you've heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of SA are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. Remember that we never identify ourselves publicly with SA in the press, radio, TV, or films, neither does anyone speak for SA. This remains an anonymous program. Please keep the name, address, and phone number of anyone you meet or learn about in SA to yourself. The shares we have heard here were told in confidence. Please do not repeat what you heard about any other member to anyone who is act not actually here at the meeting at the time that it was shared. Please, what we say here, let it leave here. When we leave here, let it stay here. Oh. Here. Here, here, sorry. Slightly different format up north. Facilitators will close with either third step prayer or serenity prayer. Third step? Third step prayer. All right. Moment of silence for those still suffering from this disease, both in and out of the room.
Next up. I think all the I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.